confidence of a professional stuff man Walking the streets, it always smell like an onion But I got the program, my body, soul, and Make it strong as the wind in Chicago land And we're getting stronger every day We're all in the Strength Faction crew So get your chips and load your hips Because our mission is to bring out the best in you, in you, in you Todd Baumgartner, how are you doing, buddy? Michael Connolly, I am wonderful. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. 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 <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Are you excited? I am. Oh, cool. I am. And no. hey, hey, Todd, I'm going to tell you why I'm excited. Go on. I'm listening. It's because uh, you gave me the opportunity to take over the Strength Faction podcast. Um, <laughs> it's something that I'm going to be honest with you is a little bit scary for me. Why? There's a little bit of anxiety. Yeah, you know, I, first of all, I hate the way my voice sounds. <laughs> oh, good. Well, right? You've studied psychology. Isn't there, isn't there some science behind that? Like, people generally don't like the way they're sound, their you just voice sounds? You just haven't heard it enough. That's all. You just got to get used to it. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, secondly, the second point to that is, like, hey, you, you've done a great job with this. I know this is your baby. Um, so it means a lot to me that you, you're passing the torch here and that you're giving me this opportunity to, to allow myself to grow and expand my skill set and help the strength faction community, uh, any way I can. Um, yeah, listen, man, you're going to do great. I'm happy to do it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, the good, the good news is, is there, besides the fact that you're taking over, it's, there's going to be a lot of freshness to this. Whereas like, you know, you're going to come at things from a different angle than I would have and, interview different people and have different conversations. And I think everybody's going to benefit. So I'm happy to do it. Great. That's great. Yeah. Speaking of which, you know, I'm excited about this, this content that we're going to talk about today, uh, which was actually inspired by you and I having a conversation about some talks that you have had with commercial trainers in the Mm -hmm. last couple of months. Um, And that's, you know, that covered, I know you guys talked about a lot of things. There's, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, obviously with, with quarantine and lockdown and restrictions. Um, and a lot of things have come to light. And one of them is how companies are treating their employees. Um, and it's pretty obvious that a lot of people are not happy with the way they're being treated. Right. And they're looking for other avenues to, uh, to, to grow business and, and support their lifestyle and accomplish the things that they want to do. And through the conversations you've had, there seems to be one common thread that people are kind of, that are holding people up. And that is the non-compete that most businesses, most bigger businesses use to, uh, well, in theory, they're, they're locking, they're, they're securing business, right? That's, I guess, I would think that that's their, their mindset for doing that um tell me a little bit about what what you've been talking about with people and and how that's coming around yeah yeah just talking to different uh folks that were at commercial gyms before the covid lockdown um and just now they're starting to come out of that and and they're trying to make the decision about whether or not they're going to go back to working for the commercial gym that they worked for because you know first of all you know there's been a lot of a lot of commercial gyms uh 
have handled this poorly and they haven't really been, uh, they haven't communicated with their staffs like they should. A lot of them just fired people and now, you know, they're trying to fired as in laid off. Um, and they're trying to hold people to the expectation of like, well, Hey, you're still an employee. So, you know, if you go do your own thing, right. Your, 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 uh, non-compete still going to hold up, you know, and we might come after you. And it seems like they're kind of sending that through the grapevine of, their management and that's getting down to the trainers and it's just scaring it's scaring the crap out of some of the trainers that are just trying to figure out how the hell they're going to support themselves now because you know you go back to the gym and you know not all of your clients are coming back but and the the gym still expects you to be there but you're not even getting a stipend for being there it's like so what are these folks supposed to do to support themselves and you know they've created other opportunities but you know gyms are trying to bully people into believing that their their non-compete is going to be something that is uh going to hold up and, and, and that they have to honor. And I, I think it, it'd be, I just want people to not be afraid of, of going out and doing the things that they need to do for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's important that we address the fact that everyone's scared right now, including right. those businesses, right? It's terrifying. For sure they are. Seeing a bunch of revenue just run out the door and not people are, you know, the bottom line is a lot of people don't want to go back to those, those big facilities that, that um, aren't necessarily as, as clean or, or the spacing will be a problem. Um, so you can't really blame anyone here. Um, although I would say like, you know, it'd probably be a good idea to keep in touch with your employees in this well, time. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I don't think you can blame the fear, like, right. That's right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's nerve wracking, but the, you can talk about the way to handle things. As Absolutely. A, that that could that's a whole other story. Absolutely. So so hearing you talk about that and and you know us strength faction always being on the mission of doing what we can and adapting to the times and helping people move forward. I reached out to a corporate attorney and, and had a conversation mm. with with them about um, non competes in general, really. And um, it was an interesting conversation because you know going into it, I didn't really know what to expect. And it was a little surprising how little that person knew about non-competes. And, and really, it's, it's kind of a no-man's land. You know, there's not a lot of case law about it. So, mm. you know, um, there's not a lot of instances where attorneys could refer to cases and say, okay, this president has been set. Um, and I think the reason for that is, is that it's, they're largely unenforceable. That's that's kind of the overlying message that I got about these um, non-competes, and and really what they were they were kind of born out of the uh, a company's necessity to protect proprietary information, right? Right. So you know, um, Microsoft develops this technology. Or another example would be like LinkedIn. I know is very my my uh, wife works for LinkedIn, and I went to visit her one time, and you know, there's there's a lot of security around that because they have a lot of proprietary information that they're protecting. Totally understandable. Sure. What a non-compete really can't do is prevent you from having a livelihood and doing what, what your profession is. And I think in the fitness industry, that's really kind of where they, what they gear it towards, right? Is they're saying, well, you know, if, if you leave us, then you can't train in this, that, you know, this radius of our facility and you can't talk to our customers anymore. And, 
and this and that. And, and what I found out through this conversation is that's really basically just a scare tactic, you know, and they're trying to scare people into this and, and saying, Hey, you know, we're a big corporation. We're going to come after you. And anytime you, you talk litigation to somebody, it gets the, gets the pucker factor goes up a little bit (laughs) right for sure it does um but i think it's important to know that they're just as scared of litigation as as we might be you know like who wants to go to who wants to go to court on something it's a ton of money it's a ton of expensive it's very expensive it's very time consuming um so i think the reality is is that no one really wants to do that um you know, and the, the other thing that was brought up in this conversation is the, the difference between right-to-work states and non-right-to-work states. Yep. And, and you know, um, there's a website out there that you can go uh, look at. Um, I can't recall. I'll put it in the notes. I'll put the website in the notes. But I think, you know, actionable steps, I think the first thing you could do if you're a trainer in this situation and you're worried about, you don't know what to do. You want to leave, and but you know they're you're being threatened with this non-compete. Is figure out if if you're in a right-to-work state. Um, that was that was kind of the <clears throat> advice that was given to me, and 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 then have a conversation with the people that wrote the the non-compete. So it's probably not going to be that mid-level manager that you're dealing with day to day. Right. Well, so I mean, what I mean, I know, I've always heard those terms like we're right to work state and a non right to work state. Cause I know like both of the States that I spend time in Pennsylvania and, and Virginia, they're both right to work states. So what's the difference between a right to work state and a not right to work state? That's a great question. Um, I can't speak in too in depth about it, but I think it has, it has to do with the, the right to be part of a union. Oh, um, okay. right. Something like, you know, along those lines, the, the right to, to go out and, Perform live. It basically protect, protects the employees and, and allows them to uh, protect their right to go out and, and, and make a living. Right. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, in that light, she, the, the attorney I, I spoke with actually had gave me a for instance where she was in a situation. She had a personal trainer at a gym and and that trainer was leaving the gym and you know, so she went in and said, well, hey, uh, you know, that's that's my guy. You know, I'm not here because of your gym. I'm here because of that guy. Mm. I have the relationship with him. Um, and if he's not here, then then quite frankly, I don't want to be here. And, you know, she said the manager, you know, got all huffy and was like, well, you signed the contract and this and that. And, um, and, and she said, well, you know, I'm an attorney, so I'd like to talk about that contract with you oh yeah Uh-oh. <laughs> um and quite you know it, it was funny because she she's like this guy was just backtracking and it's it's she said it's almost like they just rely on people being terrified of just that 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 initial statement well you signed a contract and her message was you know contracts change kind of think think there's there's nuances to to different situations that maybe void contracts so so never kind of think like oh well i signed this you know well now i'm screwed and i i I have to stay into it um because that wasn't the case really and there's really nothing they could do 
if if somebody wants to do business with a particular person um there's there's really no liability there yeah they can't stop them you know one thing she did emphasize is like if you're flat out fraudulent in some way then yeah you're probably going to get in trouble and right um you know an example of that is uh, I worked for a corporate gym uh, not too long ago, and they they talked about a, you know a, a trainer that was siphoning business outside of the gym um, through his consultations that were set up inside that gym. Clear and clear as day, yeah. that's a fraudulent act, right? Um, for sure. So I think you know general rule, you know a general rule there might be like, hey. You know, as long as you're not being a total asshole, you you probably don't have to worry about this. Well, I, I think that for sure, first of all, it's like unless it's like some proprietary training system where you're going and marketing it and saying that you're running that training system that you learned at that place. Like, that's one thing. But to say, like, you know, because a lot of these folks got laid off to say, well, you're not actually an employee anymore. Right. For one. And for two, it's like they can't stop you from earning a living. Like, I think it's just I, I don't know. I just. It just it sounded fishy to me when 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 I first started hearing about it. I was like, there's just no way that that would hold up. They're going to say, well, you can't train people within this radius. Right. After we've told you that you don't work here. anymore, Especially so, if they're not compensating you. Not at all. No. Right. It, yeah. It's there's no compensation. So it's like, you know, I just I'm happy to hear that there's some clarity around that because it's just like it's such crap, man. And I, I hate that. I hate that people are being bullied in that way to, to believe that they can't go support themselves because they signed some bullshit contract that it should be, I don't know how it works. I'm not a lawyer, but it should be null and void after you're fucking laid off. But yeah, you know, I don't know. So, yeah, it's yeah. So they're not compensating you anymore. You have no, no bind to them because you're technically, well, by any means or any thought process, you're not an employee of theirs. Yeah, because um, I know to go back, a lot of these trainers are having to reapply and, you know, it's like rehiring. So it's like, what do you mean? I have no relationship with you right now. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Exactly. My mind and my bank account tell me that. Yeah. I just, yeah. What? I just don't. It's just it's just bullying. And I think that that's the that's the the biggest problem with these folks is just like you're you're coming from a place of of lack and you're trying to make people fearful. And it's like, well, you know, the thing about it is, is like, who the hell wants to work for somebody like that anyway? So it's yeah. like you're not really doing anything for yourself in the long term. Yeah. And really that's what I'm seeing talking to, you know, people in my network is that a lot of them, because of this, because of the way things have been handled, because of the fact that if any communication they received, the communication they did receive was, Hey, if you're not following these guidelines, we're going to come after you. It's like, yeah, what, <laughs> who am I working for and why? Yeah. You um, better not be training clients online. You better not be doing this. It's like, how are you, who says who, how are you going to stop me? Like what right. the, yeah. And then on the, uh, the other side of that, like talk about a backfire, the clients are seeing this. Oh Yeah. So that so that now the the customer the the person that we're supposed to be bending over backwards to to service, their the message to them is is like well 
our money, your money in our pocket is what's most important. You getting exactly. you getting to your goals and you getting what you need is secondary to that, if it's even secondary. Well, not to even mention that, you know, if you're a smart business owner and you especially if you're so if you're looking at commercial gyms, what you have two two models. You got your big group classes and you mm-hmm. got your one on one training. Right. And those clients are attached to their trainer just to the point that you made earlier. So you're gonna sit there and say, Well, you know, try to make these people that are attached to this trainer, you, you, you're shooting yourself in the foot because it's like they have more allegiance to that trainer than they do to you. So why would you, you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. it's so, so, so foolish. So foolish. Yeah. So from yeah, a practical it, level. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it seems like common sense. And, and I, I kind of want to take a turn here, right? So take it. just to kind of wrap up what we just talked about. Good. Um, first of all, let, let's just get this out there. This conversation right now is two meatheads <laughs> talking about something that's outside. A lawyer of our said, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I did reach out to a corporate attorney. I did get some guidance on this. And, and the reason I feel comfortable talking about this is, one, we're not we're not giving advice right now. Right. So I'm not saying go out and do this we could give you some actionable steps to guide a pro, you know, you, you working through this and figuring out what's right for you. One would be, um, learn about the laws in your specific state. You know, don't get on Facebook and talk to, you know, say, Hey, what are people doing? Find out what, what the law states in your specific area. Um, oddly enough, Googling was some of the advice that this attorney gave was, you know, she said, I find out a lot of information through, through, you know, different laws and different things that have happened and, and find new resources by just Googling it. Um, have conversations with your employer, be open and honest and say, Hey, listen, I don't understand this. A lot of the uh, non-competes out there, a lot of stuff that, that, employees especially in the fitness industry are signing when they're hired they're intentionally confusing and and and, in some instances contradictory within the same contract they're contradicting themselves and it's really kind of just like this smoke screen set up to confuse you and scare you and and really an effort to maintain business and revenue into the company and it's so kind of get through that and, and, and then seek counsel if, if it comes down to that. Um, but unless you've been employed for two years really is another guideline that I learned. Um, and unless, you know, there's some sort of fraudulent or just heinous act that you committed that where they could prove damages, uh, you're most likely going to be in the clear and, and good to go. Um, so there you go. There it is. So here's the turn, right? So now we've talked about that. You currently own a, a, a facility. I owned a facility for six years. Right. As, as business owners, what do we do with this information? Right. What do we do with the, what we've learned about how, you know, first of all, like, do you guys have a non-compete at BSP? No, no. I mean, I mean essentially Virginia is a right to work state anyway, so it wouldn't right. hold up, you know? Yeah. The, the last thing I want uh, my coaches or, or any future 
staff that that we have to feel is confused and scared (laughs) that's not not great for morale so the first thing i'm I'm not going to throw them into a situation where they have to examine whether or not they're going to receive some kind of damages from their employer because of anything and i think the other thing is is like you know looking at at those kind of contracts is like you know we can be very slow about who we hire yeah it's like if i if i feel as though someone needs to i need to feel that way about the person that i'm hiring i'm just not gonna hire them you know i get it's different for a big company that has a lot more employees i understand that but it's like for us it's like man no i don't we don't have non-competes i'd never i I, it wouldn't hold up for one and for two i don't want to make people feel that way right and it i've I've, through thinking all through all this and and thinking about back i'm not gonna lie when when uh, I was running my business, like there is that fear of like, man, like this is my baby. Things are going to, things that might happen. And, and like, what can I do to protect myself? And, and that kind of seems like the easy answer, like, Oh, let's get some lawyers involved in legal language and contracts, blah, blah, blah. Now as I've matured and, and, you know, through conversations in the strength faction, through, you know, different working with different people in the industry, it just makes so much more sense to create a business atmosphere and create a relationship with your employees that that relationship, that's the contract. That's what, that's what binds you. That's what ensures that your business is safe. The social contract. Yeah. I mean, the last thing, I mean, first of all, it's like we, we do a lot for our guys to make sure that they're all right. Like, you know, we pay them well, we make sure they're taken care of. We help them develop as people and I know the last thing that they want to see, because they're all decent people, is food taken off of our plate or food taken off of any of our kids' plates. I don't, I don't have any kids yet that I know about, but uh, Chris does. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's like you, if you create the bond, you create the relationship, and you have the right people, this is shit that you don't have to worry about. And plus, yeah. there's a reality. I think, I think, I think uh, a lot of business owners um, – set themselves up for failure because they think about unrealistic uh, expectations when it comes to their employees. I'm under like our guys are all actually, I think Greg's 27 and the other two are 26. They're not going to work for us forever. No, it's just, it's right. just yeah. not going to happen. So it's like, if you're, if you're pulling, pulling in so tight to your chest and, and trying to grip so hard that you have these, these weird expectations. It's like, you're just setting yourself up to be in the situation where you feel like you need to fight about these things. But yeah, you know, if, if your values are set to help the person develop and create a great business while you do that, and then set them up for success future and in, in the future aspects of their life, then, then I think everybody's going to win. I think it's a matter of, of your, your base philosophy and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Now, do you see parallels to that and how trainers work with their clients? Right? Like, so, so I guess as a younger coach, a little less mature, a little less experience. Uh, well, actually, I hope it's a lot less mature and a lot less experience. <laughs> uh, but, right, like there was always the thought, like, yeah, I don't want to give you too much. I don't want to make you too successful because then you won't need me anymore. I think there's that scarcity mindset sometimes. I, I think um, I think for me, it, I don't know if I – I'm trying to put myself back in that place. Um you know, it's funny. A lot of the first clients that I had, I got from Chris um, because Chris was Chris and I were working at the same gym and then he was moving away and I was the only person he trusted to give his clients to. Yeah. Um, so and because I just started there. And so I got them from him. Um, 
and then I'm thinking like, you know, I think the biggest thing for me was like, I don't know that I really got to that point where I was like, man, I'm, I'm worried if I make them too good, they won't need me. I just, I don't know. I was just excited to work with people. Yeah. Um, I was excited to be a trainer. Like I came from, I came from human services, health and human services. And I ran group homes for people with intellectual disabilities. And I had to do all these stupid reports that were meaningless and didn't really. So I was just happy to, you know, I never knew that about you. Yeah. I was just happy not be saying, yeah, it's just, it was a total bullshit job. It's like, I didn't even really get to help the people. It's like, that's one of the reasons that I didn't become, I was supposed to be a special ed teacher. And that's one of the reasons I didn't do that. Cause I felt as though, you know, with the no child left behind stuff, I was like, this is bullshit. And then, you know, getting well, into that. You, I think you would have been a phenomenal teacher. I appreciate that. And is it, that that's funny because I studied to be a high school teacher and, and then did my student teaching. I was like, no way. Yeah. And not be, not because of the kids, not because of the kids. I loved working with the kids, but I saw some of the politicking that went on in the school, and the. I'm just, and it's just like I didn't want anything to do with it. But I'm with yeah. you. But it was, uh, but yes, yeah, so I was like, I was writing these reports and setting these bullshit goals for people that it's like you know they just didn't let these people live their lives. It's so funny because it was like they were trying to say, oh well, you know they they need to be so people with intellectual disabilities, you know, they need to have the same access and and be treated as though they're normal. So what would a normal person be doing? And I'll give you an example. There was this guy, uh, I'll change his name. His name was Eddie. Um, and he was like 40 some years old when I was working with him. I, I, I managed his house and uh, he loved NASCAR. He was, he was, he had MR. So I, I, he was, I don't know if it was severely or so, but he, he could communicate and it was poorly, but he loved NASCAR and he, imagined that he was running a uh a nascar radio show and he would do it i don't know every night every other night and they wanted me to write a goal to write that out of his his essentially they had like a i uh a, a, a plan like a growth plan i i don't remember exactly what they were called i in and, schools are, the schools are called ieds i don't remember what we called them there yeah and they were like, right, we need to write a goal because you know would a normal 45 year old man or whatever be doing this and i was like I'm not going to write that goal. Like he, enjo- <laughs> he enjoys it. Like, why would I try to take that away from him? It's like, and have you met 45 year old men? Those yeah. sons of bitches are weird as shit. Like, it's like, what is your normal that people should be doing? So is so 45 I, the cutoff for that? Cause I'm 44 now. Yeah. Next year. You're just I'm a weirdo. goofier than shit. Um, okay. no, but the reason I say that is like, so I got to like, man, I went from doing that and I was going to grad school. I did that. And then all of a sudden I get to train people and I'm getting paid money for that. And it's like, I just, I'm going to have fun and experiment. So I don't think I ever really felt that lack where I was scared somebody was going to take my clients. Sure. Well, you obviously had, a, and, and I'm not saying everyone goes through that, but you obviously sure. had, you know, and I think probably studying psychology probably helped you with that. You understood how to connect people with people better. To an extent. I mean, yeah, I just like, you know, I was just, I think the most thing is the biggest thing is I just had enthusiasm for that. And it's like, I was just really just submersed into that world. And I, and I, you know, I just was really trying to to connect with people as much as I could, because it was like, you know, this was neat. I didn't want this to go away. So it was my thing was like, you know, the better I can be with the people that I'm working with, you know, it wasn't necessarily like if I get them the results, they won't want to stick around. It's like, well, if I see that, my thing was probably I went probably went too far to try to prove my worth in the other direction of like yeah. maybe over coaching, maybe going too far in the other direction to to make people feel as though I I was valuable enough to keep. Yeah. And I think that that's a mistake that we also make. But sure. Um, 
But But I think it's part of, to say it's a mistake, I think it's more like a learning process. Sure. Yeah. I I think that, uh, and it was also a different environment. So it was technically a commercial gym, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, a gold gym or something big like that, where there's like, it's built on like competition. It it was, I mean, listen, do I agree with the way that the people ran their business and the things that they did? No. And I, I would tell that to their face, but it was not the kind of environment that, that, a lot of of one-on-one and, and commercial gym trainers have to deal with either so yeah well it's 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 liberating to get out of that mindset right it's oh, yeah. I, I remember i i distinctly remember making a shift from that being immature and thinking that like there was something that i had to do um in it quite frankly in a negative context if you're looking at it honestly it's like that's kind of a bullshit thought and it doesn't have the kind the the um client's best interest involved no and going from that to now you know now my mindset is like well my goal is to train you to where i'm obsolete for you no the, re- the reality is, is i'm not because i i'm you know 20 because you're, co- you're mike Connolly. <laughs> yeah yeah like i don't I don't need to give people any more reasons to want to get away from me. (laughs) But the, you know, it's just like, if you have that attitude that I feel like, you know, ever, ever since I've had taken on that attitude. And and fortunately before I took on that attitude, I still have people that I work with, you know, not necessarily directly, but you know, distance coaching or they'll call me and we'll talk through something that they're, they're working on for, you know, 10, 15 years. And it's, it's, um, it's amazing what you do or what's possible when you, when you just try and over deliver however you can. That would just be a, be a relax and be a human being. Like people yes. are worried more about that than anything else. It's like, they just, it's just like the, you know, I used to be the, the freak show that eats out of Tupperware all the time and did this, like, wouldn't, I didn't want to drink and I didn't want that. Not, I don't drink that much now for a totally different reason, but um, but it's like, you know, people can't connect with that. No. They want, they want to connect with a person. It's like, you know, they want to see somebody that is working hard, that knows what they're doing, that can help them. But like, also it's just like a person and it right. isn't just some, some robot that isn't relatable. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that kind of goes through all relationships. Employers want to see that. I just had a For conversation sure. with my wife last night about, you know, she, she missed a meeting, which she never does. If you like, you know, you know, Jamie. I know Mama Jaime. Mama, Mama Jaime. Mama Jaime is dialed in. She, she is, is. She is, you know, five minutes early for everything over delivery. Like she's just a phenomenal worker. And I'm in awe of what she's accomplished in her career to this point And really excited to see what she does in the future. Um, mainly because I will financially benefit from it. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she, you know, talked and said, well, as soon as I realized that I, I missed this meeting, I called my boss and was like, listen, I don't know what happened. And, I, you know, I, totally unlike me, I, I missed this meeting. And she was, you know, she was kind of worried about the perception. I was like, Jamie, like, you, you knocked it out of the park. Like everyone's going to make mistakes. You just showed that you, you, you're willing to own up to your mistakes when you make them and that, you know, you recognize that you made a mistake. I think it's when people make mistakes and don't recognize it or refuse to address it. That's where the problem is. For sure. 
So yeah, it's just be a human being, uh, roll with the punches, make your mistakes and move on. Um, so that's, that's great insight. Um, the going back to like owning a business right now, what are some of the things that you and, and Chris are working on? You know, I, I know the relate, I know the relationship that you have with your trainers because I had the privilege of being able to interact with you guys almost daily and then visiting your gym and talking with your coaches. Um, what are some of the things that you put in place to, to kind of solidify that relationship with both your coaches and your clients? Well, uh, I mean, I, I think with everyone, it's, it's, uh, it's try to, I guess we try to make things kind of familial. You know what I mean? I think that that's part of it. And, and we try to put everybody in the best position to be successful, both from their personality standpoint, from their strengths and all those kind of things. And I say that because when people feel purposeful and useful and as though they're doing something that they uh, see a benefit to, you know, that helps a ton from an employee standpoint. There's yeah. also expectations. So it's like, you know, there's, there are clear cut expectations about, you know, this is what's going on. You know, here's your job, like plain and simple. Here's your job. And from there, you know, like I said, it's it's not just about we try to develop employees to be able to do the job. We try to develop people and we show them that we care and that we invest in them and that, you know, not only do we serve as as their bosses and the, and the people that own the business that that feeds them, but also like we, we take on mentorship roles with them. And, you know, we listen and we try to help however we can. And, and I think that that's the role. You know, I, I mean, we were talking on we were talking on the uh, strength faction call yesterday about that kind of stuff. And it's like, like we talked about a little earlier on this podcast is like, my goal is to help this person develop because whether it's an intern or whether it's a, a, an employee, because first of all, the reality is I know that they're likely not going to work for us forever. And the second thing is, is like, you know, from a, a very fundamental and philosophical standpoint, like if I can help someone grow to the point where they're a better person and then they go out into the world and they take that forth, like the world becomes a better place. And that's the, that's the best way that I've found that we can impact the world, you know, is one person, one person at a time, helping them grow to be better people, helping them become more insightful about themselves and develop skills and be able to come be, feel more competent and more useful and more connected with themselves and with other people. And so, you know, that's the approach that we take to things. And, and when we can do that, like we can make a big impact. So it's like we just pull it back to the individual level. and We work with that person, help them grow. And you can do that one person at a time. You know, you can make a lot of change, you know, rather than, you know, I don't know. <sighs> Never mind. Yeah. I'm going to stop there. Go ahead, Mike. No, I, I, I love it. I think, you know, and my thought is, is that's the kind of virus that we need to spread through this world. Right now. Yeah. Like, let's just spit in each other's mouths and get that more. <laughs> right? Like, let's mask down, heavy breathing in each other's faces. That if is that, it. If that's the virus, let's get that out there. Treat people like human beings. Make people better. Help them get to their goals. And, and you know, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Who Nothing. loses there? Who Nobody. Loses? Nobody. Well, yeah, I think it's... Uh... I don't know. I think that's the thing is like, you know, we just we have to pull it back to the individual level because it's so easy to say us versus them. And it's so easy to click on a headline on the Internet. And it's so easy to see all these things. But when you step back or you step outside, and you talk to the actual person, 
let's up negating the fact that some people are extreme in whatever way that they are extreme. Right. Most people aren't that way. And, you know, you can, you start to have a conversation, you start to see who the person is and everybody starts to get better from that. But I think there's just a lot that is, that's blocking us from being able to do that right now. But, and that's why, you know, creating the havens like we've created with, you know, you have your people at CPAC, we have uh, BSP Nova, we all have strength faction in these places where it's like these real conversations can happen. I mean, people can really connect and really try to help each other. That's the shit where the world gets better. Like going and trying to piss on everybody else's feet is not going to make the world better. So Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm most proud of being a part of the strength faction, that, that, that approach that we take to helping people is not, not saying, hey, here are our answers. I don't care what your problem is. Here are our answers. Here's how you're going to be successful. Here's what makes a good business owner a good strength coach we it's really the the meat of it like we obviously have we have content that we we share and that's you know written out and that that's the the main the main course of it but i think the nitty-gritty of it is when we get into these conversations on our weekly calls and we talk about stuff because then we really hear you know how is this how is this subject matter relevant in the context of that individual's career and, and what they're experiencing right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. And that's yeah. where, that's where the value is. That's where the real change is. That's where the real education is. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's like, it's the answer is typically as much as possible, pull it back to the individual person. And, and, you know, obviously there are principles and you have to have your principles and there's a base level of, you know, this is what we do. And then we figure out where the individual fits within that. And whether that's a coach at our gym or whether that's a client at our gym or whether that's a strength faction member that has a certain set of problems. Well, there are solutions and here's how you can think about it. And here are some tools. But I think that's the thing is like, you know, we can't we can't just make blanket statements. We can't make blanket solutions for a lot of things. Um, and I think that that's the tendency right now. And I think that our little uh, corner of the world is a, is a beacon of light that fights back against that. Yeah. And I, I think one more thing I would add to that is we can't pretend that we have all the answers. Oh, I don't know shit. No. Yeah. Right. What yeah. is, uh, what is, uh, the character from Ozark? What's her name? Who? The character from Ozark. Oh, I don't know shit about fuck. Yeah. I don't know shit about, that's my mantra. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, talk about liberating. But also, Same. I feel like I've found. I feel like I've, I've heightened my awareness, and and I'm, I, I can kind of speak knowledgeably about stuff more because I'm not putting that pressure on, not thinking that I have the answers that I need yeah. to. I need to talk to people, and you know, one person's answer might be another person's, you know, travesty. Right. Uh, so figuring out what people need and addressing them appropriately. And I, yeah. I really, I really, I really owe that to the, what you've put together in the, in the strength faction and how you've taught me to talk to people and how you've taught me to, to look at information and think about, you know, helping people. And, and it's pretty awesome, buddy. You did a great job with this. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It wasn't just me. I mean, this is, this is all of us. Um, sure. It really sure. is. I, uh, 
I think the thing about it is, is like, and I think it's, uh, I'll make a parallel because this is something I've been sorting out in my own mind for a little while. I have a real, I have a real, real problem with the, with the term mental toughness and developing it. And I think a lot of it is bullshit. Um, mm. And I, and I'll liken that to like, you know, people feeling like that they need to have answers all the time. They need to have answers. So all, all you think about, like when you're like, Oh man, I have to have the right answer for this person is you think about all of the things that you lack and all of the ways that you can't have the answer. So it's right. just like the same thing with mental toughness. You're like, man, I got to get tougher, man. I got to get tougher. All you're going to do is see the ways that you're not good enough or you're not strong enough, or it's like, it's going to keep pushing you to do these things. And you're, and you're guiding your decision-making based on a, from a place of scarcity rather than a place of like, Oh, I enjoy this, or I'm trying to help, or I'm trying to think, or I'm trying to be relaxed or any of these kind of things. And it's just like, really, when you, when you try to paint yourself to that corner, you just expose all of your weaknesses rather than seeing like, um, you know, here are my strengths and here's how I can help. And have you thought about thinking about things this way? And I think that that's, that's one of the things that, you know, people just feel like they're trying to prove too much sometimes. And it's just, you know, if you take a yeah. step back and you're like, well, I'll, you know, I'll help you however I can. Here's what I know. It might not be the best thing, but it might not be the only answer. It might not be the most complete answer, but have you thought about it this way and then turn it into a question? Yeah. And not doing that, you really, the reality is you're really robbing yourself of a learning, a learning opportunity. For sure. Yeah. For sure you are. Yeah. Well, boy, we sure did cover a lot of ground. Here. <laughs> I, I don't, I think the topic that we uh, set out to do was done in the first 16 minutes. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I think it, it's been a great conversation. And I think it's important that we talk about the things that we talked about because it, it really all ties into that, you know, the, the essence of that non-compete and the, the, that fear tactic, yeah, it all ties into to everything we talked about mentoring people, everything we talked about about being a business owner, everything we talked about about being a coach to our clients. Like, I think the answer is, you know, let's get away from the scarcity. Let's get away from fear. Let's get away from that. Let's just be human beings. Be honest about what we are and where we are in our paths and, and go from there, right? Absolutely, my friend. Well, I appreciate your time, Todd. Hey, man. Congratulations on your first episode. How did I do? You did a great job. Are you saying that just because we're still recording? or? No. No, I'm saying it because you did a great job. Oh, well, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> All right. All right, buddy. All right. Have that, a good day. Yep. You. We'll talk soon. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. We'll work on our goodbyes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs>